it, it hurts to know that they don't care about people's lives. They don't care if they kill people with the chemicals. They're not looking at the lives of the people. And when I turn around, somebody's been diagnosed with cancer. I think our voice is the voice to speak up because we live here. I'm doing what I can for my community. Welcome to the Stories for Action podcast, where we speak with folks taking bold actions for a thriving planet. Our aim is to bridge divides and provide calls to action to help you find your role for positive impact. I'm your host, Laura Tomov. St. James Parish, an area an hour west of New Orleans, sits on the Mississippi River and was once a landscape of wetlands, fertile soil, and healthy waterways. Then in the early 80s, an influx of industrial plants moved in. This area is now termed Cancer Alley, or Death Alley, by residents as the known health effects extend well beyond cancers. The alley is an 85-mile stretch in Louisiana along the Mississippi River from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, containing 150 industrial facilities. The plants, which are primarily petrochemical and oil refineries, emit extensive amounts of known cancer-causing chemicals. Residents can smell it in the air, taste it in their drinking water, see it in the black curling leaves of their fruit trees. In St. John's Parish, residents' lifetime risk of cancer is 800 times higher than an average American. Residents of neighboring St. Gabriel say they can no longer sit outside in the evenings as the chemicals released at night fall down like yellow raindrops. Along with cancers, the area sees record amounts of birth defects, blood ailments, seizures, asthma, neurological effects. The list goes on. These communities who have called this area home since long before the first plants moved in are predominantly black. When plants propose to come into a neighboring area that is predominantly white, it is voted down by residents and local officials, and the plant moves on to a more marginalized community that may not have the resources to fight it. All of this puts Death Alley at the front lines of environmental racism. We see a similar pattern across the country. If we look at a map of where major roadways and factories are mapped out, we see the direct correlation with communities of color. The EPA itself reported that this is not an accident, admitting these conditions are the result of decades of indifference from people in power. People of color in the U.S. are 75% more likely than white people to live within five miles of a toxic oil and gas facility. On average, they're exposed to 40% higher levels of nitrogen dioxide, which is pumped out of power plants and exhaust pipes from traffic on freeways. The statistics go on, but what we need for action and change, from the public to policymakers to industry, is to listen. Listen to the stories from these communities and then to act. Act to amplify these voices. Act to have these stories lead in the shaping of policy. And to find ways forward that do not devalue life itself. Those impacted have not been silent. For decades, there have been environmental heroes from within these communities, standing up and speaking out, to industry, policymakers, and to their own communities to raise awareness. I was fortunate to speak with Sharon Levine, who is doing just that in an urgent fight in Louisiana's Death Alley. Sharon is a retired school teacher from St. James Parish, who now finds herself leading a fight for the lives of her community. She founded her organization, Rise St. James, in an effort to organize against a petrochemical complex set to be built two miles from her home. 
The proposed complex would be built by Taiwanese company Formosa Petrochemicals and would contain 14 individual plants. In addition to the known health impacts and greenhouse gas emissions, which would be equivalent to that of three and a half coal-fired power plants, part of the land that is proposed to be built on is a former plantation where enslaved people were buried. Sharon shares with us her story of standing up for her community, her calls to action for every one of us, and inspiring motivation for those who may be fighting a similar fight. St. James Parish consists of seven districts. I live in the fifth district where most of the chemical industries are. We have 12 petrochemical plants and refineries. When other industries try to come into the other districts, they vote it down. When they try to come into St. James fifth district, they vote for it. It's predominantly black. I don't mind industry if it's not harmful to our health. And what are those specific health effects from the pollutants of these industrial plants? And how much did you and your community know about that connection between the health effects you're seeing all around you and the pollutants that were coming out of these places? Fighting this fight, I've been trying to educate myself, educating the public of the harmful effects of the chemicals and what these industries are doing to us. I started getting sick but I didn't relate it to the industry because I didn't know the industry was doing this until I came sick in 2016 when I was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis. That's when I started to look into it. When I found out all the people in St. James who are sick, most of it cancer, and they are dying like flies. We've been having people with birth defects, people that's having miscarriages, people that's having preemies. Oh yes, one girl, she's having a baby. She lived over here in the 5th District. She had to move to go stay with her daddy. She's pregnant, and the, the chemicals was affecting her baby. But they won't speak up. They won't let people know their stories. Some people say they have relatives that work in industry. They don't want to speak out because they figured they think it would hurt their relatives. I get phone calls from people, from people that worked in the industry to tell me how bad it is and tell me don't stop fighting and they can't come forward because they used to work in the industry. And some of them that's working now would tell me things, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't betray them and, and use their names or anything. What was it that folks working inside these plants were witnessing from the inside? They were telling it? me that, the, that some of the chemicals that they use to make whatever they make at that, at that plant is harmful. And, and they say, you're so busy fighting for Mosa. What about the ones that, that's already here? They are dangerous too. For most, it's going to be dangerous, but they're going to be dangerous too. They are dangerous, and nobody is looking at those. And there, there's another industry that's right next to the Sunshine Bridge. It's called FCF. My daughter would pass by that plant to go to work in Baton Rouge. She would get sick. So she finally moved. But I'm not moving. This is my home, and this is my house is here. And I'm going to uproot and leave my home and go. Oh, no. Mm -mm. They ran the people out of their neighborhood in Mossville. I said, this is what they want us to be like, Mossville. But it's not going to happen. We're going to fight. Rise St. James is the one that started this fight, and we're going to fight. And, and what was that journey like when you started Rise St. James? What was the moment that pushed you into action and into your current role in this fight? In 2018, 
that's when the governor announced that this industry was going to be built right next to me. And that's when I formed this organization, Rise St. James. The organization that I was in is called HELP. I would go to the HELP meetings faithfully every month. And they would discuss the Bayou Bridge Pipeline. And after that didn't, didn't pass, we talked about Formosa. And I asked, can we fight Formosa? Oh, we don't fight industry. Our, our organization is not set up for that. I said, but it's coming into our neighborhood. Whether you're set up for it or not, you don't have to be in an organization. You still want to live. You need to fight this. Oh, it was so discouraging. Oh, no. The governor approved this, Sharon. There's nothing you could do about it. When the governor approved it, it's a done deal. I just listen to them talk and say those things month after month. I asked them, can we do a march? So we did a march on September the 8th, 2018. That was the first time I spoke. Never spoke in public in my life. So I had my speech written on a piece of paper. We were all fired up because Formosa was coming. So we thought by speaking up, that might help. I asked people if they want to join an organization. I said, because help is not doing anything to stop the industry. So I had almost 10 people in my den that day in October. Then the next time I had almost 20 people in my garage. That was the second meeting. And I said, we need to do something. Let's, let's do a march. And they all agreed. So we did a march on November 3rd. That march was successful. And then after that, we started to meet other people. We met concerned citizens of St. John. We started to talk with them and we started to talk to the people in New Orleans. And we said, let's form a coalition. And that coalition being the Coalition Against Death Alley. Yes. And you are now a more than full-time Frontlines community organizer, but that role is relatively new for you, right? Can you share a little bit about what your life and your work was like before your current role in starting Rice St. James and what that transition was from being a full-time school teacher? Yeah, when I, I was teaching school and, and I didn't want to stop because I loved what I was doing. I taught students of special needs and I just loved the school. I loved the students. I loved my job. With my teaching, it wasn't as stressful. It was stressful in some aspects, but this here is it, overwhelming. It's a lot for one person to try to handle. Even though I have members, some of them work, so they can't be here doing the work that I'm doing. And if I was still teaching, I wouldn't be able to do the work that I'm doing now either because it's too much. When I retired, I didn't want to retire. And I kept saying I wanted to work. Well, I was so tired, I couldn't get up in the morning to go to work. So, so I had to retire. But the whole year of 2019, the end of 2018 and 2019, I was working. I was working, teaching school and trying to do this work too. I was so tired. It's a, it's a hard fight. It's a 24-hour-a-day look-like fight seven days a week because it stays on my mind. And I ask God to give me the strength to go on and not to think about it so much. But since he put this on me to do, I feel like it's all on me. And I have help, but it's not the kind of help that, that, that would relieve me of some of the work. But I'm trying to educate the public and the people that are being educated, they tell me they didn't know it was that bad. And they didn't know our sickness so much of our sicknesses were coming from the industry. But 
so many people is against Famosa. And a lot of them are afraid to speak up. I'm doing what I can for my community, trying to save myself and my community. Absolutely. And you had shared with me a story earlier about when you had first entered this fight against Formosa and you came home and and you prayed and you asked, you know, what what did this mean? Were you supposed to leave your home, you know, to make it clear to folks that, you know, that might say, why don't you just move? You know, this this is the land that you're tied to. This is your home. Can you share what that experience was like? Oh, that day was so, it was so emotional. When I was, I would come from the help meetings and they would talk about, you know, it was a done deal. There's nothing you could do about Formosa. And I said, I would ask God, you know, what should we do, dear God? But I didn't get an answer. And then I would do that every time I come from a meeting, I'll get depressed. You think just because someone say it's so, because the governor said it's so, we, we can't fight it. We just leave it alone because he say it. We live here. We ought, we ought to be able to fight for our, for our property and our lives. One day I was sitting on my porch. This is the part that get to me. I prayed and I was looking out at the red birds flying from one tree to the next. And I just was praying. Look how beautiful that, that is out there. Then I started asking God. I started saying my prayers. I said, dear Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sell my home? And to my surprise, God answered me that time. He didn't answer me when I was in the bed crying and sleeping and all. He said, no. Then I said, I was puzzled because he said, no. All the negative things I was hearing about me, we had to leave, you know, we couldn't stay here. So I asked God again, do you want me to sell the land, the land that you gave me, my grandparents? He said, no. Then I started crying. The tear just coming all down my face. And I said, what do you want me to do? He said, fight. I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know what to do, how to fight. And look like he, he must have, he must have was in the driver's seat. And I must have sit in the back and he had me going. I didn't even know where, where it was coming from. It wasn't coming from me because I didn't know anything about industry. I didn't know anything about anything. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I, it just went. It just happened. But sometimes when negative people come around, I forget my thoughts. That's why I don't like to be around people that's negative. Because God give it to me and they try to take it away from me by saying negative things. When I pass by the site where Formosa planned to build, I get so angry inside. It, it hurts to know that they don't care about people's lives. They don't care if they kill people with the chemicals. So God don't have me doing this for nothing. And I know he don't. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And your organization, Rise St. James, is purely community-led. Can you speak to the importance of community-led action and why a community is the best voice to speak up for what happens to a place? I think our voice is the voice to speak up because we live here. I saw what was going on and gathered the people to make an organization. After talking with them and they see my point, they were all for it. So many of them tell me that they're on board with me. They say, I see you out there by yourself talking, but you are not alone. We are with you. And that means so much to me because I, in my heart, I knew they were with me because they told me that they're glad I'm fighting to stop Formosa because 
somebody, they say, should have stopped these plants a long time ago. One of the things that policymakers and proponents of these industrial plants coming in have used to justify their reasoning is the promise of jobs and the promise of revenue that will be brought to the area. But as you and I were saying earlier, there needs to be ways to invest in communities and to create jobs that does not come at the cost of the health and the lives of the community that lives there. What are some of the things that policymakers have used to justify their votes for more of these industrial plants to be built near these communities? I found out in 2014, I found this out later on, that our Paris Council members in 2014 made this area future industrial. I didn't know that. I can't say they didn't know what they were doing because they did it. And our councilman, he lived further down in another little area, but it's still the fifth district. And he was one of those that voted to make this area where I live future industrial. So you can't blame industry too much because they saw open space. The people that come from China, Taiwan, they probably saw a map with no people. So you can't, I can't fully blame them. I blame our officials. Well, our councilman in the fifth district, he voted for Formosa to come in because he said he didn't think he had a choice because he was outnumbered. And he said that if he said yes to Formosa, he can get things for the fifth district. Me, myself, I would have told Formosa to hell with it. I don't care if I'm the only one that's standing. You're not gonna come here and poison my people. So Formosa did some things that he asked. They call itself beautifying our park. This is my take. Let's say you build around the park. The children are gonna be sick or dead. They won't be able to go play in the park. I'm not worried about a park. I'm worried about our lives. If we don't live, we don't need a park. I wouldn't settle for less. You ask for what you need for your community. You don't let people come here and just like your home. Somebody come here with a gun and they're going to run, they're going to run you out of your home and you're going to just let them? No, it's not like that. My daddy fought for civil rights back in the 60s. My daddy integrated St. James High School when no other man thought he could do it. No other man went with him to walk on that campus to integrate that school. And maybe a part of him is in me. No, for sure. And your whole story is a massive inspiration for folks, not just within your community, but those around the country and around the world that, that find themselves in a similar position, um, fighting a similar fight. And your whole story is a call to action, truly. Um, but I'd love to hear any final calls to action, beginning with those that you have for policymakers and elected officials, both in your area and beyond. Well, we, we asked in Cedric Richmond, Rise St. James and Concerned Citizens. We've been waiting on him to come out here. He haven't been out here yet to talk to me or, or, or concerned citizens. But now since we're talking to someone in his office, I feel hopeful. I really do. I really and truly feel hopeful. The governor still wouldn't talk to us. I talked to the governor on November 1st. He was soliciting votes for his election. And I talked with him for about maybe two minutes and ask him, would he please stop Formosa from coming to St. James in my neighborhood? And he said he was gonna do a health study. 
So that was like, he threw me off. Like he, he didn't have an answer. He couldn't tell me, come out and say it in, oh no. So he said, we're going we're gonna to do a health study. And I told him, I'm going to do one too. He, he just walked, he walked away like it was nothing. But he wanted our votes. So we gave him our votes and he still didn't try to help us. He won't even talk with us. We're still writing letters. We write letters to the EPA. We, we do different things to, to try to get their attention so they can listen to us. Because if this plant is built, we're not going to live. That's how bad the emissions are already. And if it's built, it's going to be 14 chemical plants inside the complex. And nobody's listening to us. We don't have the money to uproot. This is my home. That's why I'm fighting, fighting for our lives, fighting for St. James Parish. And our public officials, they don't feel it. I think all they're looking at is the money. They're not looking at the lives of the people. And when I turn around, somebody else is diagnosed with cancer. So many people, I have two brothers with cancer. So how many more people have to die because of the industry? So it's just like St. James, it's a, it's a sacrifice zone. And it's wrong. And for others in your community, in St. James Parish, what calls to action do you have for them? Speak up. Uh, when I do a march, join me. Speak up about their illnesses. Speak up about how they want things done. Speak up about their love for their community. If you know anyone in high places, get in touch with them. Talk to them. Just like I was putting out signs the other day, and one of the young men told me, uh, have you spoke to EPA? I said, I'm speaking to them on the phone Wednesday. And I say, any questions you have that you want to ask them, just come to my house and I'll write the question down and I'll ask. So they want to know. They are eager to learn what's going on. That's why I want to do a newsletter, but I need somebody to do that for me while I'm doing something else. So I guess one called action two would be a partner <laughs> yes. to share the load. <laughs> yes, yes. And for other communities, what would be something you would say to folks who might be facing similar battles in their area, but think that they, as a non-organizer or not a policymaker, you know, might think, what power do I have to make any change? What words would you have for them of, of just the power that every, would, every person has? I would tell them to fight, to go out there and speak up for what they want, whatever they're fighting for. And not to be around people that's negative. Be around positive thinking people. People who they think would help them. And stop talking about it. Get out and do it. Because when I went out there to do it, I didn't have anything written down, anything in my head or anything to do. I just did it. I went out there and I did it. And before you know it, they'll be out there doing it. And going to say, I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know what I had to say. So I'm telling you, you have to get out there and do it. Not, not just talk about it. Thank you so much to Sharon Levine for sharing your story and inspiring us with your daily fight. Fights like Sharon's require the involvement of people, speaking up and speaking out, either from within or outside of these communities. You can find out more about Sharon's group, Rise St. James, on their Facebook page. And for information on how you can take action and support Rise St. James, visit stopformosa.org. Rice St. James is part of the Coalition Against Death Alley, which you can find out more about at enddeathalley.org. You can find these links in this episode's show notes. Sharon's story makes us look at not only the real impact of these industrial plants on human life, our air and water quality, 
and the health of rivers and natural habitats, but also the impact of our human needs that require such facilities to be built in the first place, with our dependency on petroleum-based materials and plastics. Will our awareness of these impacts drive us to get innovative and move to more sustainable systems? Can we reprioritize our value system so that people do not have to fight for safe air and water, and that industry does not have more political power than the people? Now is the time. The time to reevaluate and step forward on a path where jobs and economies do not come at the cost of the health of the people and the land, but where we recognize that a strong society, including its economy, must lead with valuing the health of its people and the land. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to share these episodes with others and subscribe for more stories of inspiring action to help you find your role in a thriving planet. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories for Action and Twitter at Stories Number 4 Action. Learn about all of our work at storiesforaction.org. You can browse inspiring stories from others or submit your own for us to share. Thank you for being a part of our community, where our mission is to use the power of storytelling to share human connection and advance a thriving planet for all.